Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So tonight, uh, I was kind of joking with the, some of the people in the van. Tonight, it's like Christian Girls Night Out, yeah, because we did Oceans, and we're talking about Esther. Uh, so, but um, a couple a couple things I'm going to need um, before we get start. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, the first thing I want to do is I want to ask you if you have a if you have the same issue I have, and you tend to lose things. Anybody like me that you you lose things pretty often? I had a I went to a school where if you didn't um, if if you 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 would get written up if you were unprepared, meaning you didn't have a you didn't have a pen or a pencil. Um, any of y'all know where, what I'm talking about there? Um, and, and I um, was always unprepared. Um, I got suspended because I had so many, I got written up so many times. And it wasn't like that I was doing terrible things. It's just I kept forgetting my pens and pencils. So um, I tend to lose things. But one of my favorite things, yeah, sometimes technology is annoying because anybody can reach you at any time. One of my favorite things is if I lose my phone and I have my watch on, all I have to do is go like this. Here, so sometimes though, if you lose your phone, yeah, how many of you you have to do that sometimes? You have to ping your phone to find it. Yeah, sometimes if you lose your phone in like a very, you know, a part of the house that's far away, or you leave it in the car, or something like that, you you, you try to ping it, but the the sound is so faint. You're like telling you're like telling your brother and sister to shut up. You know, you're turning off all the music. Listen. For the ping, you know, and and, and so, sometimes you think you hear it, but you don't hear it. We've been doing this series called God Speaks. We're talking about hearing from God. Uh, the first week we talked about how God speaks through Jesus. We were in Hebrews chapter one, and it talks about how in the past God spoke through the prophets and through the law, but now God has spoken through His Son Jesus. That was the first week. Last week we talked about how. God speaks through Jesus, and the Bible is how God speaks through Jesus. And we talked about how we can trust that the Bible that we hold in our hands is truthful and it's accurate, and we can go to it for truth because this is how God talks. I don't know if you've ever been in this position in your life if you're a Christian, um, but you, there, there are times where I sit, and I'll tell, tell this to you as your youth pastor, I sit down and I read my Bible, and I'm like, you know, I've got my coffee, I've got my highlighters, like... Oceans playing in the background, maybe not, but like, like you know, the scene is set, and I'm like, God, speak to me as I open your word. And I read, and to be honest, nothing really spectacular happens. No words jump off the page at me. And I read, and I read, and I read, and I pray about it, and I read a little more, and, and I close my Bible, because i got to get my girl up for school, and she's never easy to get up. And I feel like I didn't hear from, from God today. Even though I opened up his, his word. Have you ever felt like that? Or maybe is that how you feel sometimes in your, your walk with God? You feel like God is just silent. You're doing all the right things. You're like, I'm doing all the things Matt told me to do to hear from God. And it just seems like, seems like God is silent. Um, what do you do? What do you do when God is silent? Sometimes we start asking ourselves questions. We start thinking, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Like maybe there's unconfessed sin in my life. And you know, maybe there is. Um, you think maybe I just need to get a different version of the Bible. Um, maybe I need to drink an extra cup of coffee. Um, you know, maybe it's just that I'm, God is upset with me or God is mad at me. And that's why I'm not getting anything out of the word. And that's why God's not speaking to me. But could it be that maybe because God feels silent to you, he wants you to rest on his promises. What we're going to learn tonight, 
what to do when God seems to be silent. Um, when God seems to be silent, when God seems to be silent, hold on to the promises. And that's kind of like the big, kind of the big punchline tonight. When it feels like God is silent, hold on to the promises. The book we're going to read from tonight is Esther. So if you have your Bible, turn to Esther. The H is silent. Esther. And as, as you're turning there, um, so far in this series, every one of these like, lessons or messages has been unconventional. The first lesson, we did the entire book of Hebrews in one lesson. Um, last week, we went through like a whole historical account of how we, the Bible came to be. Tonight, it's going to be interesting because we're going to go through the whole book of Esther. And in order to do that, I need some help. I need you to help me teach the lesson. Um, so what I'm looking for is I need six guys and three girls. Six guys and three girls. Maddie, I'll start with the girls because girls usually don't volunteer as much. So I got one. I need two more girls. Two more girls. Alyssa, one more girl. Okay, Alyssa, JC, and Maddie, come on up. Do what? Of course I remember your name. Um, and um, I need, okay, now I need six guys. Okay, let's get a good cross-section here. Christian, Jack. <laughs> you thought I was going to add a son to that, didn't you? Jude, Brady. How many do I have so far? One, two, three, four. Jackson, Drew. Come on up. Okay, so, do what? I, I, you, get, cut, me, cut me a break. Okay, so, let's see. Okay, I need everybody to stand off stage on this side. Because what, what these guys, they didn't know they were signing up for this. And they didn't know how Hollywood they were, but we're going to act out the book of Esther. Um, so, um, Esther starts out with a king. And this king was not a very nice guy. He's kind of an evil, maniacal guy. So Jack, come on up here. Evil, maniacal Jack. Jack is no longer Jack. Jack is now uh, King Xerxes, which I always thought if I had a son, Xerxes. What a name. Okay, so there's King Xerxes. King Xerxes had a queen. Maddie, you're going to be the queen, okay? And the, queen, and the queen's name was Vashti. So it's just stay right there. Okay, now Xerxes liked to party. Vashti also liked to party. So... Vashti had a party with her friend, Alyssa. And they kind of had a girls' night out. So you guys go over there by the cello. Because we have cellos, yeah. Um, so they had their own party. And while, and while Xerxes was known for wild, ruckus parties. So he had Drew, <laughs> Brady, and Jude. But they had Persian names because they were Persian. Okay, so there's this going on now. Now Xerxes is the king of the Persian Empire, which span, which covered most of the world at that time. Also during that time, the Jewish people who were in Israel were in what's called the exile. They were taken away to Babylon, and while they were taken away to Babylon, they got kind of dispersed throughout the world. The Persian Empire, led by Xerxes, show them your guns, <laughs> defeated Babylon. When they defeated Babylon, they took a lot of Jewish 
prisoners with them and transplanted them into this Persian empire. So while all that's going on, um, you've got Esther, you're Esther, JC's Esther. So Esther, can you just stand right here? You have Esther and hmm, hmm, um, you're going to be Haman. You're going to be Mordecai. So, so uh, Christians stand right up here. You have Esther and Mordecai. And we're going to talk about Esther and Mordecai here in a second. You're Haman. Now come on up here. Now Haman is Xerxes' right-hand man. But one thing we know about Xerxes, he's not a nice guy. So do you think he was going to pick a nice guy as his right-hand man? No, he's going to pick somebody just as dastardly and evil as he is. And who better than this guy right now? So, so you have Haman, dastardly evil, um, uh, second in command to King Xerxes. They're throwing a party. You've got um, Queen Vashti here with her girlfriends throwing a party, a separate party. So unfortunately, because you know, Xerxes was an evil guy um, and, and just not, not a real good guy, there was a lot of drinking involved. And... They started, you know, kind of talking and talking. Xerxes says, you know what? My queen's the prettiest girl in the whole Persian empire. So he sends one of his servants to go bring Queen Vashti in front of all the guys so they can marvel over how beautiful she is. But the servant goes over and says, Queen Vashti, Xerxes requests your presence. And she's like, I'm having a party with my girlfriends. I'm not going to go model in front of his Boys, so she says no. And back then, you know, even if you're the queen, you didn't say no to the king. So what you would read, we're, we're kind of skipping through Esther. We're going to hit some some points in chapter one. What you learn is that Xerxes got upset. He says, "Now listen, ain't nobody going to tell me no. I'm the king." And all the guys around him are like, "Now Xerxes, if yeah, if if your wife tells you no, word's going to get out." And Jude's like, my wife's going to stop doing what I want her to do. And that's not good. You know, because they're all bad guys. They're all these, you know, super macho, you know, ogre guys that would probably drive a bro dozer and wear affliction shirts if they were alive today. So they, <laughs> sorry, I didn't, uh, hopefully that doesn't apply to anybody here. Um, so, so, so Xerxes decides he's going to depose Queen Vashti, which pretty much means he says, you're no longer queen. You're done. And he says, guys, I want to find a new queen. So all you, you three can sit down now. Okay. So Xerxes sends his servants to the whole Persian empire and they pick the prettiest ladies in each of the provinces of the Persian empire and bring them before Haman. And there was quite a process to do this. Jeff, I told you this is going to be dicey for the slides. Uh, so we're going to go to Act 2 now. We're going to go to Act 2. And from the province that was close, that was where King Xerxes lived, there was a young lady named Esther and her cousin Mordecai. They were both Jewish. Remember, they're in exile. Now, Esther had no mother or father. She was an orphan. So her cousin, who was older, much older than her, Mordecai, kind of adopted her as his own daughter, took care of her. Well, Esther was one of the ones who was chosen to be a possible... It it's like The Bachelor only 2,000 years ago, you know? And, and you know, she, she was chosen to be one of the possible new queens. So 
Come on this way. Mordecai, you come with us. So as they bring Esther to the palace and read just, this is how bad, like this is how like wrong things were back then. They brought all the, they brought all the women in, in chapter two, verse 12. Are we, are we at chapter two, verse 12? We have that one, or verse 17. So they, they kind of parade all the ladies. And by the way, the ladies had to sit, spend six months in, the, in the, the palace before they could even see the king and receive six months worth of beauty treatments. So it was like, I don't know, you know it was like you know, the Botox Bonanza or something. And you know, so, so they march all the ladies in front of the king, and you know, he's, you know, he, you know, he's the bachelor, you know, the BC bachelor. You know, and, and, and he decides, he picks... Esther doesn't know she's Jewish because the Jewish people were really looked down upon, picked on at the time. So in chapter 2, verse 17, it says the king was attracted to Esther more than any other woman. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he sat a royal crown on her head, put a crown on her head. And he made her queen instead of Vashti. Not a nice guy, right? So that's act two. Now we're going to go to Act 3. Remember, Xerxes has this evil, maniacal, second-hand guy. And Xerxes elevates Haman and gives him this honor, gives him this like, like ring, and gives him this robe, and everybody's supposed to bow down to Haman. But Mordecai, being a Jewish person who does not believe they should bow to anybody but God, refuses to bow down to Haman. See the outrage on his face? Haman is so angry. So you know what he decides? Mordecai's Jewish. I want to kill Mordecai. He says, wait, I don't want to just kill Mordecai. I want to kill all the Jewish people in the entire Persian Empire. So he talks to his king and he says, hey, King Xerxes, can I kill all the Jewish people in the empire? And King Xerxes is either so drunk or be so evil or see both. He says, sounds like a great idea. So... Haman gets really excited. He, he, he rolls dice to decide which day should I kill the Jewish people. You know, it's like heads or tails, like, like how evil the culture was. So he does that and um, the lot falls on this particular day and that's Haman's plot. But then something big happens in act four. We were in chapter three, by the way, there. Now we're going to chapter four and chapter four is where the, the corner turns. Esther acts. So the word gets out to all the Jewish people that they're going to die. Like they're going to be killed and there's nothing they can do about it. Mordecai gets a little concerned being the Jewish guy and being the, like, the ultimate you know, lightning rod for Haman's anger. So he comes to Queen Vashti or Queen Esther. And he says, Esther, since you're queen, will you please help us? Because you're Jewish too. And will you please talk to the king and ask him to reconsider? But she, if you look at verse, chapter 4, verse 12, look what she says to him. Do you not think because you're in the king's house, he sent this answer back, you were in the king's house, can you not help us? There's this problem. Before I read this, I want to tell you about this problem. You couldn't just enter the presence of the king. You couldn't just do that. He had to request, even the queen, because this is how evil the culture was. Even the queen did not live with the king. He summoned her when he wanted her. And he also had this like entire like wing of the palace full of other women that he could summon when he wanted to. What a terrible guy, you know? And 
I'm not saying that personally about Jack, but you know, just what, what a terrible guy. You know, so if, if anyone, including the queen, were to enter his palace and enter his presence without him asking, the law said they would be put to death. So Esther's like, now listen, it's not just a matter of, you know, you know, you know, you know talking about this at the kitchen table. Like, I haven't seen, uh, yeah, I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen Xerxes in a while, you know. So, 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 so she talks, tells Mordecai, like, I don't think I can do this. Mordecai talks to Esther and he says this. He says, don't think it's, be, don't, you don't think it's because you're in the king's house. You alone of the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews, it'll come from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? Maybe you've come to your royal position, Esther, for such a time as this. So Esther thinks long and hard. And she decides to do it. She approaches the king. Read what, she, read what Esther says in, in chapter 4. It's, Esther said that in this in her reply to Mordecai. Go gather together all the Jews who were in Susa, which was the city, and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, day or nights, and I... And I and my attendants will fast too. When this is done, I'll go to the king, even though it's against the law. This is such a strong statement. Like, I love it. She's like, and if I, I, this sounds like a play. It's like right before the commercial break, she goes, if I perish, I perish. And what we, what we read, she does is she approaches the king. Um, you, you read that as you read on in, in chapter four. Um, and she approaches the king and she said, and the king does this to, to denote that he, she's letting her in his presence. He points his, like his kingly scepter towards her, like signifying that you're not going to die. So that's good news for you, you know, Esther. So you're not going to die. And rather than just come up to Haman and say, please don't kill my people or to Xerxes, please don't kill my people. She says, Hey Xerxes, can we, can we have lunch? And can you invite Haman to come to lunch too? So they have lunch together. And as they eat together, um, she says to Xerxes and Haman, Hey, can you, can you guys meet me again? Can we do this again tomorrow? Like, this is great. <laughs> so they, they do it again. Now, before that, you know, before the next meeting happens, so there's, lunch, there's dinner number one, right? There's meal number one. Then the next day, there's going to be meal number two. Before the next day, Xerxes can't sleep. He's tossing and he's turning and he's tossing and he's turning. While Xerxes is tossing and he's turning, Haman goes for a walk. I'm just going to lead and guide you. And he happens to go by Mordecai. And do you think Mordecai bows in Haman's presence? Uh Uh-uh. He just gives him the stanky eye. So how, how do you think Haman feels about that? Pretty upset. Haman goes home to his wife and his friends and he says, Mordecai still won't bow for me. So his, by the way, this is like people that come up with terrible ideas. His friends say, I've got an idea. Set up a 50 foot pole in your yard and tomorrow impale him on it. And Haman says, that sounds like a good idea. Meanwhile, Xerxes is still tossing and turning and tossing and turning. So he asks his attendant, hey, will you bring me like the, the, the record of my reign? Like all the things that have happened as I've been king. It's like snooze stuff. You know, if you can't sleep tonight, pick up your history book or something. Like something really boring. You know, start reading it. You'll be like, before you know it. So he's reading through all the minutes of his reign. And he realizes that a couple years ago, there was a plot to kill him. And Mordecai uncovered the plot and saved his life. He's like, I never paid Mordecai back for the nice things he did for me. So he calls for his, he calls for his number one attendant, Haman. So Haman has to leave his impaling planning party and come back to Xerxes. And you know what Xerxes says? 
He says, hey, Haman, if I wanted to do something really special for someone that helped me out a whole lot, what should I do? Haman thinks he's talking about him. You know, he thinks he's the special person. So Haman's like, oh, you should put a robe on it, a king, yeah, a royal robe on him. Give him a nice ring. Give him this elevated position, you know, because Haman thinks he's going to get it all. And then Xerxes says, I want you to do that for Mordecai. So Haman, with his tail tucked between his legs, has to go back to Mordecai, give him a robe, give him a royal ring on his finger, and give him the title to his new elevated position. So Haman's, things are getting a little rough. So, but he's thinking, hey, I've still got lunch with the king and the queen. So he comes and he has this meal with the king and the queen. And this is when Esther says, I and my, to the king, I and my people have been sold to be destroyed, killed, and annihilated. And Xerxes says, Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he? Who's the man that dared to do such a thing? got to do a good point here. And Esther says, an adversary, an enemy, this vile Haman. He's so upset. He can't even think about it. So he storms off while that's happening. Haman's like, Oh shoot, I'm in trouble. So he grovels at Esther's feet while Esther's like kind of reclined on the couch. And he's like, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. So as King Xerxes comes back, he finds Haman groveling at Esther's feet. And he says, look what he says. He says, hey, the king exclaimed, will he even bother, molest the queen? Well, I'm still, will he still with me in the house? Go to the next slide. This is what the king says. Then Harbona, hey, we need, I need one more guy. Marshall, come on up. Um, Harbona, who's another kind of servant, he says, hey, you know, um, Haman had this pole set up at his house. You can hang him on that. <laughs> so the king said, you got to do, do this in a big kingly voice. The king said, impale him on it. <laughs> so they impaled Haman on the pole he set up for Mordecai. And the king's fury subsided. Queen Esther saved the Jewish people. And then this next thing happens. Mordecai gets elevated to another position. And they set up this feast. They set up this like event that they do, would do every year called Purim. Um, that's Act 5. They set up this, this event called Purim. And, they, and every year, it, Purim is like a, the Jewish word for dice. You know how Haman rolled the dice. We don't want to kill the Jews. They, they, they call the celebration dice. Dice day. Because and, and it, it was on the day that they should have been killed in every year they party and they pray to God because he saved them. So that is the story of Esther. Give it up for our actors. They didn't know they were going to be performing tonight. So you guys can have a seat. We spent a lot of time developing this story. Esther's interesting because it's the only book of the Bible You may not know this. It's the only book of the Bible where God is not mentioned. Isn't that weird? Isn't that interesting? There's an entire book of the Bible that does not mention God. It doesn't mention prayer. It doesn't mention scripture. It was a time where it seemed like God was silent. The Jewish people were taken away from their home and they were about to be killed. 
But God made some promises to Israel. He made promises that he would bless those who bless Israel and curse those who curse Israel. He made promises that Israel would be a great nation and through Israel, the whole world, the whole earth, the whole world would be blessed. He made a promise that that they would never be wiped off the face of the earth. Their their race, their ethnicity and kingdom would be forever. He made those promises, but when... Haman was setting up the pole and getting ready to kill all the Jewish people. It looked like those promises were going to, you know, they were going to go down quicker than the Chiefs against Tom Brady. But something happened, right? Even though we don't see the name God, we see him working in these situations. And there's something that we can learn in our life when God seems silent. We hold on to the promises. So I just want you to write these five things down and we're going to get out of here. Just, just write them down. We're not really going to develop and spend a lot of time on them. The first thing that we I want you to write down is God's promises tell me who I am. Yeah, poor um, Esther and Mordecai, they lived in a place where there were people that were pressuring them to not be Jewish and to not be the people that God wanted them to be. You know, Mordecai was, was not Mordecai's like original name. Mordecai was a, was a Persian name that was like a derivative of the Persian pagan God Marduk. So he literally, Mordecai literally had, he, he had the name of a foreign God. That was his name. And it got me thinking about how people try to tell us how we should be. And people try to tell us, you, you, you walk down the hallways of your school, you, know, you go on Instagram, and you see the way that the world wants you to be. And they pressure you to, 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 to talk a certain way, dress a certain way, act a certain way, go certain places, do certain things. And that if you do that, you'll be liked and that you'll be accepted. But what we realize is it's really not... Anybody else but God who tells us who we are. And when we, re- when we read God's promises, it reminds us who we are. God promises that if anyone's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. If you have your faith in Christ, no matter how you feel, you've still got that new car smell. Yeah, you got that new Christian smell, even when you don't feel like it. So look at the person next to you and say, I got that new Christian smell. Yeah, so... God tells you who you are. God's promises tell you who you are. God's promises say you are chosen. God's promise says that you're, get this one, predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. So even though people try to redefine you and tell you who you are, nothing's going to stop what God is doing in your heart to, to, to conform you to Jesus's, to, to Jesus's image. So God's promises tell me who I am. Circumstances are the proving grounds for God's promises. This is a picture of Chrysler's proving grounds. What they do um, when Chrysler comes up with new cars, they take them to these, they're called the proving grounds in Arizona. And it's like every person's dream. It's just this huge oval and all these roads, no cars are on it. You can drive as fast as you want. You can drive however you want. Um, you, know, you, you can hit the gas, slam the brakes, cut the wheel, you know, all kinds of evil can evil stuff because that's where they test and that's where they prove their yeah, that's where they, they, they prove that their cars actually do what they say they're supposed to do before they sell them. Um, this crisis with the Jewish people and Esther and Mordecai, that, those were the proving grounds for God's promises to the nation of Israel. Our, in our life, when we have tests and we have things that don't go the way that we plan them to go, they're the proving grounds for God's promises in our life. Think about this. If God knew you'd never be lonely, 
He never would have told you that he'd always be with you. He never would have made that promise. Because God made that promise, he knew you were going to be lonely. I feel like nobody, nobody really got you and nobody really is, you know, cared about you. Nobody wanted to be with you. He, would, he knew that was going to happen. That's why he made the promise. He wouldn't have made that promise if he knew nobody would need it. Think about that. And in your life right now, those promises by God that he'll never leave you, forsake you. It's the proving ground. You're, you're in the proving ground right now. You're testing those promises. Just like the promise uh, that God would preserve Israel even when it seemed like they were facing utter destruction. God came through because he's, his promises are good. The third thing, and this doesn't have the word promise in it, so I didn't even know if I should include it. But just because God is silent doesn't mean you can't talk to him. There's, there are two spiritual references in this whole book. Only two. And they have to do with fasting. The foregoing of food for spiritual purposes. That's how it's defined in the Bible. Um, it's one of the few occurrences in the Bible where fasting is mentioned apart from prayer. Usually when you see fasting, it's, it's, it's a coupled. It says prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting, prayer and fasting. So we can pr- real, pretty reliably assume that while they were fasting, while Esther was fasting and Mordecai and the Jewish people were fasting, that they were praying. Just because you don't feel like God's working in your life does not mean he doesn't hear your prayers. and does not mean he doesn't hear you when you talk to him. So remember that. Um, sometimes, hope I'm not going too fast here. Sometimes, or I could say maybe most often, God fulfills his promises through ordinary events. You think it's any coincidence that Esther was stunningly beautiful? She probably got tired of being so pretty because guys were jerks to her, maybe, I don't know, because she got harassed by a lot of people. But God made her look a certain way so as to become this queen. You think it's any coincidence that Mordecai and Esther happened to be in Persia? That they were taken from the exile and they weren't in their homeland? No. Do you think it's any coincidence that King Xerxes couldn't sleep that night? And he saved Haman from being impaled? (laughs) You think that's a coincidence? Absolutely not. Those are very ordinary events. They're very ordinary things. And we want the mountaintops. We want it to be a mission trip every day. You know what I mean? We want it to be camp every day. But I would submit to you that most of the time God works in your life, it's not, I mean, he, he does through mission trips, he does through camp, he does through those big mountaintop experiences, but God also works through very ordinary events. He works through sleepless nights, he works through bad grades, he works through broken homes, he works through things that, to us, are the proving grounds. I love it how Mordecai talks to Esther, and Esther, he says this to Esther. He says, who knows that you've come to your royal position for such a time as this? So maybe for you, it's, who knows, maybe you're in your family for such a time as this. Or you're in that school that you hate for such a time as this. Or you have that person that sits next to you in class that you can't stand for such a time as this. So God uses ordinary events to complete his promises. Um, The next thing is that when God comes to you on a promise, you'll never forget it. I've got two pictures of Addison here. Um, The first picture... Um, was, I guess you could say, her early days. Uh, <laughs> it's an ultrasound picture of her sucking her thumb. And um, April and I were told that we would probably never have a child. We probably you know, would never you know, 
get pregnant, we'd never have a kid. Um, that if we did get pregnant, that child would probably be miscarried and that if you if the child did you make it far enough along it would probably have some birth defects or you whatever so the from the moment that we found out that april was pregnant we started praying for this child and uh there's a promise in psalm um, where god says before while you were in your mother's womb i knew you and i fashioned you and i held on to that promise april did too a lot of people i knew we held on to this promise and we prayed this promise back to god we said, God, we believe you're fashioning Addison exactly the way that you want her to be. And uh, they said, yo, if you, if you do carry this child to full term, they're going to be severely underweight. We'll need to be in the NICU. And Addison was born, emergency C-section. She was eight pounds and six ounces, which is a decent-sized kid. And uh, this is a picture of her a couple, two months ago, um, in her little mouse outfit for a ballet. And... I never forget, (laughs) because she's very loud, I never forget the truthfulness of God's promise because I see it walking around all the time. And maybe there's been a time in your life where, it's maybe it's not right now, but it, it happened before, where God came through for you. Do what the people of Israel did and don't forget it. They talk about it twice in Esther 9. These days should be remembered and observed later on. Nor should the memory of these days die out among their descendants. One thing I always want Addison to know is that she's a miracle. One thing I want Addison to tell her kids after she gets married at 50 years old. Um, yeah, One thing I want Addison to tell her kids is that she's a miracle. And one thing I want her to tell her grandkids is that she's a miracle. I want, don't want anyone to ever forget how God is good on his promises. So I just want to ask you, is, does, it feel like, does it feel like God is silent in your life? Um, I mean, you know he speaks to you through this word, but it just you, you, you doesn't seem like he's working in your life. doesn't seem like he's moving in your life. Um, I want to ask you to do these things. This is something you're going to do as you leave and when you get home. The first thing is, where's Matt? Matt's been my card guy. Um, Matt's going to be handing out some new Jesus time cards. And on these cards, um, it's going to ask you to do some things. It's going to ask you to ask yourself three questions. And some of you are very familiar with these questions. At the end of the day, I want you to ask yourself these three questions, which are going to be on this card. What was my high of the day? You remember that from tag? What was my low of the day? And then the most important one is, where did I see God today? Look through the ordinary events of your life and see how God's working. The next thing that we're going to do is, like I've been doing, I'm going to put on Instagram, I'm going to put a little reminder thing on our story um, to remind you to spend time with Jesus tonight and tomorrow. I'm just trying to get you in the habit of spending the time, of spending time with Jesus. We have one more lesson next week on how God speaks, and it's, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Then after that, we're going to get to our, our Hot Topic series. Um, we're going to be doing pornography, social media, um, depression, and anxiety. Um, so that's kind of what's coming up. Um, but tonight, it's about hearing God. It's about what to do when God is silent. Uh, so let's pray, and we'll get out of here. Um, yeah, let's pray. Um, but tonight, let's put somebody in the middle tonight. Um, let's put Abby in the middle. So everybody gather around Abby. We're going to pray for her. We're going to put her in the middle. Did I surprise you, Abby? Okay. <laughs> so, so Abby's going to come stand like right here. And everybody gather around. Get close. Like Kaylee. <laughs> everybody come on in. Reach out and touch somebody. In a Christian way. All right, all right, guys, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for Abby. 
Um, God, thank you for the um, just uh, sweet and gentle spirit that you've blessed her with and um, how she's very thoughtful for the needs of others and um, many times puts others' needs above her herself. Um, God, I pray that you'll bless her life. I pray that you'll give her the eyes to see you working, um, even through the ordinary circumstances of her life. Um, God, I pray that as she, um, as she finishes off her week and uh, God goes into the weekend, that you help her, help her to make um, good decisions and live a life that glorifies and honors you. I pray the same for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.